Hi, this is Jessica from Elmhurst, and this is Zen Parenting Radio Podcast number 168. Enjoy the show. Hello, my name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back, Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 168. But Zen Parenting Radio, you want to know who it's brought to you by? Who? By BU Incorporated. BU Incorporated. Do you know what BU Inc. is? It's a conscious living company. It is. Who came up with that great tagline? I don't know. Either me or you or Christine. It's a conscious living company. And we uh, help facilitate conscious living through podcasts, Mm -hmm. presenting, Mm -hmm. teaching, retreats, classes. BU Girls Club. Your books, your blogs, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Documentaries. Not that we're making, but we're helping bring them to town. Yeah, we'll bring them to town. They do the movie making, we just gather them up. We just show it. So that's BU Incorporated. That's our new company. Um, Zen Parenting Radio, though, which is a part of BU Inc., is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, and a logical and practical dad, that's me. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, and 10, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. you. Um and the motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Yes. First things first, though. Um, we're going to talk quite a bit about this woman's book. Her name is Bridget Schulte. Schulte. Mm-hmm. And it's a book called Overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. I don't want you to talk about it yet okay. other than it's really good. talks about um, moms and dads. Yeah. Well, and the basics of it is why we as moms and dads feel overwhelmed. I think it speaks a little more to the moms, but it, it brings in why the dads may be feeling overwhelmed and what and what the partners can do to balance that. And out. I'm gonna to try to bring in the masculine male viewpoint on this. Yes. Um, but first, we have a partner, uh, hunteryoga.com slash zen, started her 28-day yoga immersion yesterday, uh, but you could still get into it um, through the end of the week. The first week is free, so go to hunteryoga.com slash zen. It's uh, yoga practices from the comfort of your own home. Self-care, emails. You name it, so check it out. Um, so that's the first thing with Hunter. The second thing is kind of a funny thing for the dads out there, or the moms. There's a lot of moms out there that do March Madness. Yeah, there I are, actually. Just pull this out on yahoo.com. So uh, Warren Buffett did that billion-dollar challenge. That means, I don't know if you know it. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. Okay, so Warren Buffett, we all know who he is. He owns Quicken Loans. Mm-hmm. And he said if anybody correctly picks every game in the 64-team tournament, yeah. they get a billion dollars. Oh, my gosh. So, that, why so how do you even prove that? They enter their picks beforehand. Oh, okay. So it's all documented. Okay. So um, for those of you who have been tracking the tournament, there was an upset in the very first game. Um who was it? It was Dayton beat Ohio State. Wow. That was a big – so that very first game, 84% of the participants – Were knocked out. Were knocked out. Interesting. I think by the end of the day, everybody was knocked out. So um, – so, but there's this one guy, and his name is Brad Binder. He has correctly picked every single game through the first four days of the tournament. Oh, my gosh. But he never – put his entry in to the quick and loan bracket tournament. Oh my god. So first of all, he's never going to win. He's never going to get this even even if he entered the picks there's still still so many games that have to be played. Okay. But he's kicking himself. He's kicking himself just cuz 
you know, the fact that he got through the first full weekend without making so a mistake. So where did he enter it? How can he, he prove? He did it on Yahoo. He, some some fun Yahoo bracket. Okay, so he just didn't do it through the quick end. He just did not do it wow. through the quick end. Or ESPN has like a million dollar giveaway. Okay. There's all these things that, you know, it's free. It's and, just to get you into their website. So anyways, poor Brad Binder. Talk about kicking yourself. Do you have your sounds back? I do have my sounds back. Just you could do a wah-wah. Uh, there you go. Sorry, Brad. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> So anyways, that <laughs> takes care of that. So let's get into it. Now, we're going to um, play some clips from an NPR interview. Okay. And I will say that I listened to this NPR interview. Do people listen to Fresh Air? Because if you don't, you, you miss it, it out. Yeah. I mean, not every interview, you know, if there's certain interviews that I'm not as interested in, but they still end up being so interesting. Terry Gross is one of the best interviewers ever. Um, and they're so well done and they're so calm. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that? Yeah. They're just, you can listen to them anywhere. They're like the calmest interviews. Yeah. And even people who are like, there was an interview, the one with Joaquin Phoenix, yes. who was, he's kind of an interesting bird, excellent actor. But he was so uncomfortable with the interview that that was the only one that I was like, ooh, I can't listen to this. Well, it's because he wasn't comfortable asking, answering questions about himself. Yes. And so it became, even though Terry doesn't, she's unflappable. Yeah. Anyway, so I listened to this interview with Bridget Schulte. She wrote the book uh, Overwhelmed, and it actually has been out uh, for a while, but the, the paperback came out. They always replay an interview when a book goes to paperback. So it's called Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. First of all, I love that title. Second of all, as I started listening to her, she writes from a very personal perspective, but she also used a lot of research and she did a lot of interviews. She's actually a reporter for the Washington Post, so she's a journalist, and she's talking about why all of us feel so overwhelmed because we already know we do, right? Mm -hmm. We've already got that. But everybody keeps telling us how we can manage our time better. And if you'd only do this, you know, differently or only do this. And we're not looking at the big picture of how we got here because I know that my mom and dad were very busy and probably felt overwhelmed a lot of the time. But I also know a lot of the things that I'm doing now, they didn't have to do. And so meaning you know, the the craziness of, of throwing a huge birthday party. You and I don't do that anymore, right. but I think that's very common or having to volunteer for a million things or, you know, having to be on top of so many different aspects of our child's life. Plus thinking that we need to spend all this time with them right. on top of that. Right. It's just, it's undoable. Right. There's not enough hours in the day. And so, you know, that's the thing. And then everybody tells us to relax and have stillness. And we do. Yeah. You know, we're saying, hey, find more time for play. Find... And then you're like, where can I possibly do that? Right. But what you have to do is back up and recognize what you're doing in the first place and realize whether or not it's necessary. So that's kind of, and so this interview, I've listened to it three times and I really said, Todd, we got to talk about this. That's right. Um, speaking of back up. <laughs> I have a new backup sound clip. Back up, back up, back up. Back up, pick up. That's pick up, pick up, pick oh, up sorry. from the cable guy. <laughs> um, so we're going to play some clips. I don't know if we're allowed to play these clips, but we're playing them anyways. Well, make them short and we'll... Short and sweet. Short and sweet. And, you know, we're just directing people to the full interview. Yeah. So hopefully NPR won't get mad at us. Yeah. Um, so this is the first one, and she talks about a term called contaminated time. It's a pretty pervasive feeling out there. And what contaminated time is... Um, you know, even though men are doing more at home and with the kids, women are still seen as the default parent or primarily responsible for the home sphere because that's the way that it's always been. And so what happens is now you're juggling work demands 
on top of all of the stuff that you've always had to do at home, we've ratcheted up, up the standards for what you need to do as a parent. And what that does then is it completely pollutes your time so that you may be in a moment that could look like leisure from the outside, but on the inside, you are just crashing around thinking of like, oh man, what have I got for dinner? And I forgot the carpool that you know to drive tomorrow. And did I ever send this note? And I better get this memo to, to somebody at work. And so you're never really fully present in the moment. Never fully present in the moment. So, so many things that I could say about that. I so, you know, she's contaminated time. Any time, and I'm going to, I watch you do this too, Todd, but I'll just speak for myself, that we can actually have a moment to maybe sit down and watch a show with our girls or sit down and, you know, kind of talk about the day. We, because it's like relaxed, we find ways to multitask that time. Oh, I'll sit and watch the movie with you, but I'm going to bring my computer with me. Right. I'll lay down and do this, but I'm going to make notes right. about what I need to do tomorrow. Right. We contaminate every aspect. We are ne- we think we're having leisure time. Oh, I'm going to watch this movie with my kids, but really it's a means to an end. So we feel like we're spending time with them and we can get our to-do list done. And that, I don't like that feeling. I, I struggle with that all the time. I want to be more clear about where I am and be there instead of even, and there's nothing wrong with making a to-do list, but do the to-do list and then finish that and go to the next thing. This multitasking thing that we do, you do, you multitask too. So it's not just a woman's issue. No, I'm more guilty of it than I think you are. You're better at shutting everything down and playing with the girls for a half an hour. Whereas I got my phone, I'm checking my email or whatever. One resource I want to throw out there is one of our favorite authors. His name is Thich Nhat Hanh. He's some Mm. Vietnamese Buddhist monk dude, and he's awesome. And he wrote a book called Peace is Every Step. Mm, Best book ever. And if you ever want to help yourself become more mindful, he has a part in that book where he talks about when you wash the dishes. Wash the dishes. Wash the dishes. Don't do anything other than wash the dishes. And the thing that happens when you do that, if you really try to practice it, because if you're not used to it, it's going to feel a little like work initially because you have to be present. Mm. But you feel the warm water on your hands, Mm -hmm. you smell the soap, Mm -hmm. you watch dirt come off a plate. It's actually very satisfying. Yeah. But we always think it's a means to an end. And as you know, another spirit, uh, another mindfulness author, Eckhart Tolle, always says, "We're always trying to get through this to get to, to, the, get next to the next point. Yet the next point has nothing greater than this. So we're always we're always trying to get through the present moment. But what are we trying to get to?" Speaking of Eckhart, okay. just learning to do uh, the simple things begins to retrain your mind. Yes. And another thing is most simple things that you do, which actually fill up most person's uh, everyday life, because yes. the whole day consists of simple things that you have to do. Right. They're all relatively simple. Right. And the way most people live is that everything you do is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And the end is where you want to get to, the next moment. Right. So, so you're never thinking about the moment. No, yes. because you want to get to the next one. You're washing your hand in order to already do that. Or yeah. you're making a, while you're making a cup of coffee, we really want to be drinking it. And then everything you do is a means to an end. The end is always the next moment in the future, which never arrives. Because all you ever have in life is the present moment. Present moment. So you're constantly frustrated, yes. creating anxiety for stress. yourself and stress. Yeah. Because you can't just be present, present now. now. 
And the power can only flow into your life when you are present completely, totally, with what you're doing now. And then gradually you can be present with, even when you are with other human beings, you can be totally present in whatever work you do, so that the work is not a means to an end, but you are totally there with what you do. Hey, we didn't plan that, and that Eckhart. worked perfectly. Um, well, here's the deal. Um, that is a clip from Oprah and Eckhart did this pod, not this podcast, this uh, they did this video um, interview, yeah. a chapter a week. He, In 2008, I, I think, or 2009. Eckhart Tolle is an author. He wrote a book called A New Earth. Oprah invited him to do a 10-week session uh, talking about one chapter a week. Oprah on the OWN channel is rebroadcasting those once a week after Super Soul Sunday. Because it's never been on TV. It's never been it on TV. It was always on the internet. And I will say personally, this is a book that changed my life. Some people, I've talked to many people about it. Some people it doesn't resonate with, other people it resonates as deeply as it does with me. But if I was going to have our listeners do anything, I would say skip our podcast, <laughs> literally for 10 weeks and and. Watch. watch Eckhart and Oprah and re- and read the book. Go to the library, get the book. Because for me, it was life-altering. So that's And my... then if you have time, then you can listen to the podcast. Yes. That could but, be your backup. But, but watch Eckhart and Oprah first because as much as I think we are awesome, that is extremely powerful. So Sunday at 11 a.m. for Chicago people, obviously take into account where you live, on the OWN channel – and it, you know, if you get it, hopefully you do. And just go, you know, if you can, if you have a DVR, go and tape it, so you don't have to watch it at that time if you don't want to. And then every week you'll have all ten chapters. And why it's so valuable is the book is fantastic, but it is taking you to a place that you may have never, it, you know, it. it it gets you here. So to get out of your head and to hear, it is kind of like, what's the word? It's not work. That's mm-hmm. not the right word, but it's it feels different. And so having Oprah and Eckhart talk about it while you're reading it helps you Digest. Help you digest it. Well, and I think as 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 amazing as that book is, I think I put myself in a position to be moved by it because it was one chapter a week. Yes. If I would have torn through it in a few weeks, because right. I'm a slow reader anyways, it would not have had the effect. It took me however many chapters there are, nine or ten chapters. Uh, it took me that long to read the book, but it was just incredible. So if you are interested in mindfulness, if you are interested in what it means to be present, if you are interesting, interested in what it means to awaken, if you are interested in what enlightenment means, because enlightenment is not one of those things that someone just is enlightened. Enlightenment is a practice. Mm-hmm. Enlightenment is being aware and being present and being just like what Thich Nhat teaches. You know, it's being here and it's a constant practice. It's a muscle you need to work. You don't just get it and then say, I'm done. Right. It's constant, and and that's a good thing, you know. Um, that's not, a, and so anyway, if you're interested in any of those words, this will assist you. So we're going to go to the next clip from this uh, NPR interview with Terry Gross and Bridget Schulte from, uh, she wrote the book called Overwhelmed. And this talks about discrimination, I think, between men and women. Between men and women, yeah. Okay. So it's kind of long. It's just over a minute. So hang in Yeah. So just, but listen, because there's many points in here that we'll discuss. Less likely to discriminate and say, well, I don't really want to hire the woman because she's going to be taking time off to become a mother. That's absolutely right. And I think that was the other thing that really shocked me. Uh, when I started looking into this, is how much what they what they call motherhood discrimination is out there. What a, what a huge motherhood penalty we have here in the United States. That not only is there a lot of unconscious bias that mothers are not as committed, they're not as smart, they're not as good. Um, 
there's there's a real pay gap. There's a real pay differential between not only mothers and women who do not have children, but a huge pay gap between mothers and fathers because we reward fathers because we think that they're going to be that distant father provider. Oh, he's going to work more because he's got to provide for his family like they did in the 1950s. And then we punish the mothers because there's there's also a lot of social surveys that show we're really ambivalent about mothers who work. And so why do we want to reward her by giving her better pay and realistic policies that are going to help her juggle that. And I think you're right. Once we equalize that and realize that raising a family is a family issue, not a mother issue. And also raising families is, is you know, we say we're a country of family values. You've got, you know, we do need to propagate the species. I mean, it's just sort of human nature to, <laughs> to have children. And uh, we've got to figure out how to do it better so that people actually want to make that choice. There you go. So what I found so important in that clip, there's so many things, but is the whole idea that our country talks about family values and all of us talk about family values, but our workplaces don't reflect that at all. And that's a big issue, um, meaning there's a lot of different reasons and a lot of different old value systems that haven't quite weeded their way out. But I feel like that when she said that, it just illuminated so many things for me that First of all, if women want to be in the workplace, people are really torn by that. Like, should she be working? Um, you know, we don't – There, and even the person who wants to go to work is saying, should I be working? There, We have such – is it the word ambivalence? Is that the right word? I think We're so. so torn about um, if that's good or bad. So that shows up in what women ask for. You remember Amy Rogers when yeah. she was here? For those of you who listen to the show a lot, Amy Rogers is a working mom who advocates for other working moms and how to make their the home life balance. And she, you know, she talked about these things and how as a woman, we very rarely go in and ask for what we need in our for our home to create balance. Because I don't know if it's an un, we don't feel worthy or if it's never been done. But her as a human resources person, she's like, we need to start asking for what works. Right. Well, um, I will put. Amy Rogers uh, interview in the show notes, but a few things I got out of it. And, you know, I don't want to be a glasses half empty type of guy, but, you know, I I can speak personally. A lot of my friends, um, you know, you are kind of a full-time mom and a part-time worker. That's kind of how I view you. But a lot of my buddies, their wives um, completely out earn their husbands. Absolutely. So I, I, I want to be cognizant of the fact that things are getting better instead of just saying we're still in the 1950s because we're not. Right. Well, absolutely. In no way, I don't think Bridget Schulte is saying this either. Okay. She's not saying this is the way it is everywhere. But if you look at the research, again, she didn't just, she's not speaking right. just from experience. Right. She's looking at all the companies and all the research. And the truth is, A, men make more women than um Men make more women. Men make more money than women do doing the same job. Right. We know that, right? There's some discrimination there uh, pay scale-wise. When it comes to hiring and when it comes to promoting, there is a feeling that men will stick around and women are going to leave. And so, and that's what Lean In, that's what Sheryl Sandberg was writing about, that a lot of women even buy into that and figure out how they're going to get out rather than than climb the ladder, even if that's what they really want. And then the other piece is, is that the companies are not set up to support like I don't know if you're going to play this clip, but about even maternity leave. Yeah, we're going to play that. Okay, so I won't get into that. But it, in no way, Todd, am I saying, or is Bridget Schulte saying, or am I agreeing with the fact that 
that there aren't women who make more money than men. There are. And really, when you look at the statistics, they should, because more women are going to college and getting graduate degrees than men. So that's what's so interesting. I think that statistic still stands. I think so. Aren't there more women in... the point is, is that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. But yet, when you look at the big picture, it's not even. I think the thing is, we're moving in the right direction, but maybe not at the pace that we could or should be. And maybe the companies as a whole, even though many individuals are moving in the right direction, the policies are still old. Right. The the concepts, their their belief systems, and and a lot of us. What's so important about things like mindfulness and understanding yourself and self-awareness is sometimes we have those belief systems embedded in us. And that's what this book is about too, is a lot of the things that she's going to get into, and again, you're going to have clips for this, but is about how we will have a, a way that we want our family to be, yet I'll just talk about myself, yet I'm still imitating old ways of being and still doing the martyrdom thing, even though I know that's not good, right. but I'm still doing it unconsciously because that is what, you know, collectively women typically do. Right. So, well, you know what I mean? Um, and I will say personally, like there's, uh, you know, maybe uh, a month will go by and then you're like, hey, we need to talk because I'm scatterbrained and I'm going in 80 different directions. Yeah. And you disclaim before we even get into the discussion, you say, I just want you to know. This is not your fault. You don't need yeah. to change anything. You don't need to fix anything. I just want you to hear me. Yeah. So you say that. Mm-hmm. And then you say, I'm going crazy because I don't have enough time. I'm getting pulled in way too many directions. So even though you just disclaimed that it's not my fault, I still feel like it's my fault. Well, or I still feel like it's, at a minimum, a problem for me to fix. Well, you've got to look at us more as a unit. Because right. what I'm trying to say is you don't need to apologize. Don't go into problem-fixing mode. But hear me out. I am taking on too many things. Or you and I are in business together. And our focus or what our, what you expect from our business, I can't do all these things, right. be with the girls, be alone while you travel and also help get our business in this place that you want it to be. So let's refocus. It may not even change anything in your day. It may just change the way you look at things. Let's get, because what happens to me is I go off the rails and I can feel it in my body. I feel sick. Yeah. I get headaches and I need to get back on the rails. And in a lot of it's my work. Yeah. Like when I'm telling you, it's just because you're my, you're my best friend. So Mm -hmm. I'm saying, help me through this. Right. But it does necessitate – we do fall into patterns, Todd, where what has happened is you and I will get going and we'll fall into an old pattern of you work all day and I'll be like, can you help out? For sure. But it really is all my responsibility. Right. You are the default. If, if And she some, says that in this book. If something is going to get done, if I'm not around, right. it just falls to you. Without ever making a decision. Absolutely. Every email from school comes to me. Every activity, except for the sports, which you're involved in, comes to me. And so I have to ask you Mm -hmm. for help because you're not getting it. And even with like pickups and stuff, even though you and I share a lot, Mm -hmm. the default is me. Well, and I'll say that you have a little bit of martyrdom too. Of course I do. And what I mean by that is we have had families, like for instance, Skylar goes to an afternoon program. Yeah. We have had multiple opportunities to have somebody to carpool with them. Yeah. And I still feel like you have this part of you that's like, no, I, wa- I want to do it. I yeah. need to do it. While at the same time, you're saying, I need more time. And then right. I, I'm like, let's let's start carpooling with other families. Right. And we do some of that. I was going to say. But I feel like we could do more of it. But I still feel like you want to be 
as hands-on of a mom as you possibly can. Well, at the same time, you also want to get all these other things done. You're right. There And there are usually, there's usually a story behind everything because with my older girls now, because of their comfort level with themselves and the world, any they'll carpool with any of our good right. friends. I have no issue. With my younger daughter, she, we do ask, ask for a lot of help, more than I did with my older girls, but I know her, yeah. and I know if I set up a carpool every day where she did this and that, I know what that will end up looking like. Mm-hmm. And so for now... And I and again we still ask for help a little bit, but and there's also the the whole thing that when I take her, I have to pick up JC there anyway. Yeah. There's kind of a there's some logistical there's some reasons logistical why reasons. it makes sense. So I do hear you. Yeah. I know you're saying, hey, ask for more help, but then that also falls on me to organize to organize right. that. And so and and there are people who get sick or people who say I'm not going to drive today, and then all of a sudden it's an it issue again. Back, and it always goes back to you. Right. And it's funny because I feel like we kind of need to define. This discussion, because I think it's an important one, but we're talking as, uh, you know, you're a full-time mom, a part-time worker. And really, am I a part-time worker? I am, well, meaning I don't have to show up at an office half. like you do. Right. But my, if you look at my day, right. am I really working part-time? Well, I, part doesn't mean half. Oh, okay. Part I see. Mean, yeah, I see. Part, doesn't, part team means some of the time. Doesn't mean half. Doesn't mean you know, eight hour workday. It's not like you you have twenty hours of le- of time to go. to do with what I want. Right. Because really, if any time I have downtime, I could be working. Right. Right. But um, but I feel like we kind of know our world. But there's other worlds where both parents are working full time. Absolutely. And, and I think there's a lot of facets in that discussion that you and I just don't have. So I don't really know. I'd like to hear from them to see how they think about it. Right. And I think what's the most important piece is that even though not everyone can identify with our story, because there's also single moms and single dads and stay-at-home dads, and we can't be everybody's story. But what we can be is a reminder to talk about it, is that I... When things start to go off the rails and I feel like Todd's not noticing, it is my responsibility to bring that discussion to the table, not in a passive-aggressive, mean, shame-inducing, guilting way, but in a I take responsibility for how this got here, but now I'm not going to let this get any further. What can we do? And and let's say that the dad is hearing this from the mom. You have to be willing to listen because Brene Brown has a funny uh, clip in one of her TED Talks where she said Brene Brown is an author and uh, researcher. Um, and she talks about how, you know, the woman will say, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. And the dad will say, I emptied the dishwasher. Yeah. And the thing is, is great that you did that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Well, we used to make fun of me or I used to make fun of me because you would do 95 things in a day to make sure that the house functions correctly. And I would clean the kitchen and I would say to you, look at the beautiful kitchen. How about that kitchen? That kitchen <laughs> take is- Take a picture of that kitchen. Let's take a, let's take a picture of that kitchen. And, and, and there's two parts of that. Number one, that I do appreciate that, as do the girls. It's right. not just for me. Right. That's the girls' living space too. So we all appreciate it. But the picture is, is and I think- all women that I talk with, work with, and know personally would say, just notice what I do. Right. Just validate what I do. You don't have to give me gifts or flowers or tell me I'm the best in the world. Just say, I notice that you do this all the time. And it's uh, challenging from a human nature standpoint because you're always doing it. Right. You're always filling out the silly sheets for school, the permission slips and all that. And I need to make note to appreciate the things that you, the, the, the more frequently you do something, the less 
on top of my mind it is. Exactly. You know what I mean? Which is why, like the conversation you were talking about when I come to you Give and I Kleenex. say, there you go. Um, when I say uh, we need to have a discussion, things are going awry. Right. You are just doing your day, getting up. You you know, Todd always does breakfast with the girls and then he goes straight to work. I take them to school and the day goes on. He could sit in front of his computer for a straight six hours mm-hmm. unless we're having a discussion about you're picking up someone today because otherwise it is my – it All defaults falls to back me. to you. So the point is is that that's even – for moms who are listening or in a, you know, when you're in a partnership – you have to be able to to say not not the old story of can you believe everything I do you know blah, blah, blah. that's just a sob story. You got to be able to say I want you to I want to talk to you about all the things that need to get done. And here's the thing that Overwhelm talks us about. Getting back to Bridget Schulte's book, a lot of things we think we have to do we don't. Right. And that's my responsibility too, is what I've learned now I'm with my third child. I cannot volunteer in the classroom every time there's a party. Right. I can't do it. And I cannot be the room mom. Right. I cannot be going to meetings. So you need to be okay with Skylar giving you a guilt trip. Yes. Because she does. Yes. And what I have committed to, what do I want? Okay, because I'll just speak for myself. What do I want? I do want to know the kids in her classroom. I do want to, I love her teacher because this is the third time we've had her. I do want to be a presence. So I will go in and do reading workshop once a month. Right. And for many, that sounds like a lot. And for many, that sounds ridiculously small. Right. That's what I can do. Right. And when I say that's what I could do, sure, I could do it more, but then it becomes, I'd be resented mm-hmm. because then I'm like, how do I fit this in? Right. And that's just me. And other moms can do more and other moms can do less. And we have to be able to understand that. Or let's take it off of our kids. I don't have to go to every party. I don't have to go to every, you know, every evite I get. I say no if I can't go. And a lot of things, we we do a lot of shoulds to ourselves, And then we'll come home to our partner and say, I'm so overwhelmed. We have to be able to look and say, this needs to be weeded out because we're trying to be everything to everybody. Right. So what we need is a little self-care. And you know who does self-care for us? Ooh. Dr. Kelly from Tree of Life Chiropractic she sure Care. Does. If you live in Chicago and you are in search of uh, having a better life, Dr. Kelly will give it to you. 630-941-8733. Her website is chirotree.com. And they are here in Elmhurst and they are awesome. So check them out. So um, I want to play another clip from here. Okay. Here we go. I don't. Let's see what it's about. 2317. Um, early lead fun dad. Oh, this is so important. So hang on. Yeah. You bring the first child home is a crucial time for setting the trajectory of your relationship from then on out, particularly in the division of labor. And so what happened over time, I just assumed I should do everything. I took the kids to the doctor. I stayed home when they were sick. I flexed my schedule. I went part-time. I expected Tom to do none of those things. I kind of gave him the out to still be the breadwinner father But then he'd come home and, you know, I would be so furious that I was the one paying the bills and doing the dishes and weeding the garden. And why was I doing all of this? And and you're right. He got to be the fun parent. And he did. He and he was a he's a great dad, but he did all the fun stuff. And then I was the I was the nagger and have. She was the nagger, sweetie. Well, and why that's so huge is you and I. When our girls were much younger, I used to work with new moms all the time. Mm-hmm. And dad did, or dad, <laughs> Todd did some discussions with new dads. Um, and that was one of the things we always said is, and I can't even say I did it super well. We would say, start the division of labor early yeah. because 
there are a thing, are you going to get into the whole biological thing? Uh, that's at the end. Yes. Okay. So I won't get into that now, but the, if you start off the whole child rearing thing with you doing everything and your significant other doing nothing, that's a horrible it sets precedent, a precedent that is hard to shift. Yeah. Now I know many of you, because I have this too, with my husband traveling, have traveling husbands or mm-hmm. partners. I know that that can play a huge role in that they're not around Available. all the time. Right. But when they are home, they need to be plugged in to the family system. Well, and the one thing I'll say is you need to let your husband, and you were pretty good at this, um, screw up with yeah. the baby. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, a new mom is overly protective. Define what screw up means so people don't freak out. Um, you know, maybe the baby's supposed to eat at five and you decide to feed it at 5.30, whatever. <laughs> or Their clothes don't match. Their clothes don't their match. Their hair isn't brushed. Yeah, whatever. Just, you know, the baby's not going to die if you if it's a half hour late for feeding or if its clothes are different or whatever it is. Because what happens is if the wife takes ownership and takes control saying you're not doing it right, we're just going to walk away. Right. Or we're going to be much more likely to not be as invested. Or we'll say, I'll do it, but leave me a list because I don't know how. I'm not a big fan of lists. We infantilize our significant others who have the ability to do things. I'm a grown man. Yeah. But we will say, you got to do it this way. You got to do it the way the book says it. And a lot of that's new mom stuff because we're so nervous. Um, But we've got like what I did, um, you know, what I started doing when my girls were really young is going away for a few days with my girlfriends. Very hard for me as uh, like from the book Gift from the Sea, she always says leaving your children is like an, an arm amputation. It really is. But once you're free of it. Right. And you're on the plane, it's exhilarating. And why that was so important to me is, number one, I needed to get away from myself. But number two, then Todd was on with the little girls Mm -hmm. all by himself, and he recognized what my day was like. And he also had to take care of all these details in his own way, and the girls get the blessing of that. Well, and it gave me an appreciation for how much you do. But the one thing I will say that was kind of a few steps backwards in our relationship You'd come home because I would completely gear up for the three days that you're in Mexico with your girlfriends. And I can kind of rise to the challenge. And it wasn't impossible. And and you came home and and you'd be like, how was it? I'd be like, it was great. We had so much fun. It wasn't that hard. And that was completely demeaning to you. Mm -hmm. It under... It undermined everything you do on a daily basis. And what I need to qualify do is I need to qualify this by saying it's easy for me to pick one weekend a year and just rise to the challenge mm-hmm. of being the sole caretaker. To do it on an everyday basis is completely different and mind-boggling. It is. And when you, what you would do, and there's nothing wrong with this, this is not a criticism, but you would schedule your mom coming over mm-hmm. or you would go see your dad mm-hmm. or you'd get together with I'd friends. Fill it. You would fill the time. And the thing is, is we can say, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but a mom can't do that every day. Right. And you have to have time where your kids aren't being carted to and from. So you have to figure out a way for them to be in a home and maybe be bored sometimes. Or, you know, the thing is, is that a lot of times when the, the working parent takes over, there's like activities and they're constantly stimulated. Yeah, I fill it up. There's nothing to, to do right. per se. Sweetie, I'm going to say a phrase and I want to hear what your reaction is. Oh, I can't wait. The witching hour. Yes, three o'clock. What is the witching hour? <laughs> the witching hour is the end of the day for me. It was usually from three to seven or whenever my baby went to bed, three to six, where I was so done 
And my kids kind of would start to lose their mind around then too. Now I have older kids in school, so it's not the same kind of structure. But where I was so done and there was nothing left to – there was nowhere else to go. There was nothing left to do. I didn't have the energy to go to Target. And I would just have to deal with a crabby kid and my energy, my lack of energy. Not crabby snacks though. Not crabby snacks and homemade. Um, So I have like four more clips and we're not going to be able to get to all of them, but they're all really, really good. I'm going to play another one here real quick. Um, I like the biological one. Are you going to play that? Uh, Yeah, I could play that. Just Just because so people understand that men have a nurturing um, gene also. I'd be happy to. Here we go. Competence and confidence. You said that scientists are showing that men undergo biological changes when there's a new baby. What are those changes? This is what's fascinating. Their testosterone levels drop, which they may not be very happy about, you know, just because we, we so value the macho <laughs> aspect of testosterone. But it drops when you are uh, not only have a child, but spend time around it, a uh, child. They also have hormones. They have prolactin, which is, you know, the hormone that stimulates breast milk. Their levels also increase. You know? I have nipples, Fokker. <laughs> Can you milk me? Certainly they don't spike like women's do, but they have biological changes. There was a syndrome that men who gained weight, you know, when when their wives were pregnant, that was always seen as psychosomatic, but it's really not necessarily. And there's really good evidence in the animal world that males are also wired for nurture. And I think what's fascinating is humans are social creatures. We survived because we socially cooperated with one another. We had what was called cooperative breeding. We all helped one another out way back in the Pleistocene era. So much so that when they've done, neuroscientists have done fascinating work that even strangers, when they see babies, they have parts of their brain that light up that are also associated with nurturing and caretaking. There you go. So so I love that. And I've heard that before, that research that men actually biologically, physiologically change when they have children, not just when they have them, but when they are around them. So that's that's the thing is it's not like just creating a baby, you know, makes these changes. It's spending time with a baby brings out like lowers their testosterone, which, you know, everybody can chill about that. It just means that you're that nurturing that that more feminine side right. comes out and you and they actually have an experience similar to what the woman is having so this old story that we have about women are the nurturers men are the providers men have a nurturing ability as well I, we have the ability and i take pride in my ability of nurturing our three daughters but i still think it comes more naturally to you. Well, and I think part of that is is because I took that role early on. I am the one I did exactly what Bridget Schulte did. I said, you know, I had a career, I had gone to school forever, and I said, I'll stay home, you keep doing what you're doing. Right. And I shifted my whole life around where I understood this baby. This baby looked at me as the caregiver, also you, but much more me. And I did that with all of our kids. And so of course it comes more naturally because I have done it more right and and that and sure i do believe that women just i just called it feminine qualities they have maybe more innate natural but men can bring that out yeah we could just as we, much yeah just like a woman maybe more masculine tendencies right. are in, in a workplace and we we're just talking about banning bossy right. women can be very assertive and can be very have more masculine tendencies that come more naturally to them so we we it's creating that balance again and and not being so definitive about what a man and woman are well, 
Well, when I was listening to this interview, they talked a little bit about uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act and the yeah. Family Medical Leave Act. And what's interesting is I I work for a company that is pretty um, willing to work with, you know, taking Very time off and things yeah. like that. When each of our three daughters was born, I think I took maybe a day or two off. Yeah. I could have taken a few weeks off. I know. But it just... Like, honestly, I was like, well, why? Right. You're on. Right. I'm going back to work. I could have very easily spent three weeks being the 50% care, you know, like I you know. would nurse the baby and I would do everything else. I know. And but, I could have taken a nap or- But right. instead, everything fell to you. And here's what's interesting. I think now I think that we could have a conversation like that. But at that time, you couldn't have tolerated that, Todd. You were not. You. Would I didn't have, want to. Well, you didn't want to. A. And I think if I would have been like, okay, I'm going to go rest. You're on. You would have been like, I have to be productive. Yeah. You were so in your head about what work meant that you would have felt like I'm wasting time, right. even though you're with your child. And that's the thing. This shift. It's not just about knowledge. That's why Todd brought in the Eckhart thing. We have to go deeper about what's more important. We try and put these Band-Aids, like, you know, something like, um, I don't know if affirmative action is a good example, but these policies where we'll say, okay, women are just going to get paid more. Or we're going to hire this person. We're, we do all these sur- these surface things, right. but really we have to get to the underbelly of things and recognize why we're making these choices and why these things are happening. And a lot of it is just historical. It used to be that way, so we're still doing it that way. Yeah, make a shift. Make, and we haven't progressed enough to say, okay, family values really is our most important, you know, it's our most important value in this country. And if we're seeing that children are not getting the attention they need or – and I don't mean just time. Mm-hmm. I mean not getting the present soul-to-soul experience with yeah. their parents, then let's – invest more in that, but really we're going the other way and we're pulling, we're saying more time, more work for parents. Well, and it's so funny. Like I I have a a good job and, uh, but I, I have friends who can't stand their job. And like a few of them have said, Ty, you don't understand if I worked the entire weekend, 48 hours straight, I would never, I would never even begin to catch up. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine what that feels like. I, I don't have that job. I mean, I'm blessed enough to when it's five o'clock, I can be done and, yeah. and say my job is complete for the day. Yeah. But I'm sure moms can feel that way too. You know, 24 seven. Right. 24 seven. I'm talking about like um, the professional working right. Amy Rogers types of moms. Well, and I think that's the thing is she feels that we have to put more hours. She feels at 27 five. Yeah. I just made that up yeah. because she, you know, she is she could feel overwhelmed just by her work, but she has all these other aspects, not to mention our own social life. Yeah. One of the things that Bridget Schulte talks about in this book is how, you know, in our parents' generation, they took time for adult time mm-hmm. and they the kids were elsewhere. Yeah. And they said, this is adult time. And I have a great story about this. Yesterday, Jessica came over. And the kids, um, all my girls were home, and then our neighbors were over, um, Owen and Aaron. And Jessica's like, they like to hang out with adults. Like they were with us the most time, you know, most of the time talking to us, having conversation, which we both enjoyed. Right. But it was more like a, you know, looking at it really. And there isn't, there wasn't a separation between adult time and kid time. And I had to finally say, after some lovely conversation, you guys go do something else. Jessica and I are going to have a conversation. And I think a lot of adults feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm not paying enough attention to my kids. It's okay to separate adult time and kid time. Yeah. Well, and there was a time when you could tell our daughters to do that and they were too young, they wouldn't listen. Right. And that became habitual for you. And I think we forget these girls are old enough to be able to differentiate differentiate and distinguish right. between, you know, 
this is when I'm available and this is when I'm not. But we just get so bogged down with how we've done it our whole, their whole lives. And we have so many messages going through our heads simultaneously. Oh, the kids are here. They're engaged. I don't want them to think I don't want them here. I don't want the thing that, that they're not important. And a lot of those messages we send, you know, be present with your kids, you know, talk to your kids, be, you know, be a good listener. But you can't do that 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You have to have time. Like Jessica came over, obviously, to see the kids. She loves them. But to be with me. Right. And it's it is good to spend time with the girls and then there is a time that is good to say now we need adult time. And I'm talking about an hour mm-hmm. tops. It's not like we're, you know, right. driving off and leaving them alone. Right. We're just sitting there talking. So we have to be able to understand the importance of all of those things. And there's no way to do the things we love the most if we have a lot of shoulds in our life that are unnecessary. Right. And the bottom line of this book Interesting, again, connecting to Eckhart is she talks about mindfulness and presence, that when you are doing something and when you're with your kids, be with them. When you're at work, be with them. If it's supposed to be adult time, make it adult time. Mindfulness and being present is the key to this. And so it always comes back to that, doesn't it? It does. Just be here now, man. Be here now. Um, So we're 44 minutes in. That's fine. I was trying to wrap up. Good wrap up. Um, a few promotional items for those of you listeners who listen all the way through. So thank you if you're listening. Um, we have um, some opportunities to partner with us. So if you have any interest in partnering with us to uh, help us, um, we'll help promote you, you help promote us. Uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. I have my monthly men's group. So if you live in Chicagoland area and you're interested in joining that group, we have some spots available. Uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. My sweetie has two books called The Self-Aware Parent Part 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And you can get those off your website, which is? Uh, com Or Amazon. Or Amazon. And actually, because we were talking about BU at the beginning, um, our company, BU Inc., there is now a new website. It actually just connects to my website now, right. but it goes to the BU page and the um, the link, the address is alwaysbu.com, mm-hmm. alwaysbu. So if you go to alwaysbu.com, it takes you to a page on my website that's about BU. Right. So that will grow and mm-hmm. become bigger again, slow. I'm a turtle. Slow and Slow steady, and steady. Wins the race. I don't want to. I don't want to fill up my day with just a bunch of stuff because really there is no end. You know, I wrote a while ago about. You know, just like your friends who say they have to work all weekend and they're never done. You're never done. No. And so there's no race. The race is created in our own head. That's right. And I know society perpetuates the race, but the website will be done when it's done. That's right. The website will be done when it's done. Yep. <laughs> Anything else? Um, no, I enjoyed that discussion, Todd. Thank you. Um, all right, man. Just be cool. Be cool, man. Is that always famous? Is that no, Philip Seymour says, Hoffman? No, I think he says, just make us look cool. Oh, I thought that was... Remember when he's talking to Philip Seymour Hoffman on the phone? No, it's a lead singer. Oh, lead singer. I'm What's always his name? home. I'm uncool. That's what Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> says. Um, have a wonderful week. Have a good week, everybody. Adios. Adios.